Hello, I'm Zachary Newell. Do you ever feel like humanity deserves a better world than the one we've built for ourselves? Personally, I just can't shake the feeling. That's why I'm here, to talk about what we've been doing and how we can do it better. Welcome to Better Futures. Hey, hi, how are you doing? Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, Jack, I'm doing good. My name is Priyank and I am currently in India. There is not a lot of interesting reasons why I'm here. I am not a academic or an organizer or anything. I think I am here primarily because we are good friends. <laughs> Yeah, we are good friends, and I personally liked your thinking on many subjects, so I wanted to ask you a few things. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to sort of establish for people who may listen to this to not expect too much. <laughs> I'm just an ordinary guy. All right, understood. Well, whatever you have to say, I look forward to hearing it. Thanks, bro. For sure. All right, my first question. What do you see going on in the world today that is detrimental to human well-being? detrimental to human well-being well i don't want to come off as edgy or anything but almost everything <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. understood can you give yeah, us I, just a couple examples yeah I, I swear like i'm not trying to be like emo or anything <laughs> but like like so when the, this uh, covid crisis started i read really good piece on it by a marxist based in china they are sort of underground in china because the government doesn't like them because they happen to be somewhat closer to Marx than the Communist Party there. <laughs> so this this journal is called Chuang and I may be mispronouncing it. Sorry if I am. And the spelling is C-H-U-A-N-G. And they had a piece called Social Contagion. And in that piece, they drew from a lot of epidemiological papers and research work done over the past decades and a couple of books written by different epidemiologists. Primarily, they drew from a book called Big Farms Make Big Flus by Robert Wallace. So in that article, they overwent how capitalist processes produce pandemics or make pandemics much more likely as a byproduct of how they cut across natural landscapes and natural biodiversity results. So like, if you read that piece and you see the expansion of wildlife farming in China, and if you, and if you Follow it up with the scale of these operations in China and then in across the world, even in America and Europe, even in this small aspect of virological and bacterial threats promoted by capitalism, it seems so dial and helpless when you take it all together. It looks so obvious that we are completely helpless. Like we were absolutely lucky we did not have a pandemic 10 years ago or 5 years ago. We are sitting on a ticking time bomb every day. So I cannot reproduce all the arguments they made in that uh, article and all and all the citations they drew on but if so anyone is interested they should look it up so that is just one example and like this pandemic is a very small expression of the ecological disturbance we have created we are all familiar with climate change but even going beyond climate change if we solve climate change tomorrow we will still have to deal with biodiversity loss which is going to be like a much bigger issue than climate change and if we deal with that we will have even greater issues like acidification of oceans and loss of ozone layer it was filling up again now it is opening up again and all these problems are not created by accidents they are not created by mismanagement all of them are being created by core processes that drive everything in the globe. Everything is under capital and they are being created by the core processes of capital. So like everything we do inside capitalism from going to work to turning on our computers or Netflix or anything. Like I'm not trying to make people feel guilty about these things because nothing is under their control. But even lifting our finger basically under capitalism, we are like pushing along this multifold disaster. So everything that is going on in the world is detrimental except for maybe here and there 
WSM through resistance is happening. 99.9% of the processes happening on the globe right now, human processes, even human life processes. Like air conditioning is becoming more and more necessary to have a not unhealthy living environment. So like even our basic life processes are becoming detrimental to environmental well-being and by in turn our well-being too. I'm just touching upon the environment here. I'm not even getting into mental health issues. I am no expert on mental health or anything, but I genuinely believe we are in some sort of mental health pandemic. We have been for a long time and I am I am speaking out way out of my league here, but I genuinely believe we are in the middle of one. I think that's an interesting point. I never encountered it before, but working with it as a metaphor, I'm pretty interested. Um, yeah, yeah, surely like not a pandemic, like an infectious disease, of course, but like it's like we are in a condition where mental health is deteriorating rapidly and wide in a widespread manner across the globe. And like when you think about it, how can it not be the environments most of us live in, the kind of hopelessness we face every day? Like especially today in this one year after the pandemic, I think we are all in better touch with our hopelessness in this system. Okay. Well, let me talk about the hopelessness of the system, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, yeah. So what kind of future could you imagine us producing as an alternative system, you know, in social, political, economic, or other cultural terms, either address this mental health pandemic, I suppose, or address at least the hopelessness to give us some hope. And perhaps the hopelessness itself is an expression of the mental health pandemic, if you would not mind. I'd love to hear what you think. Of course, these are all connected things and we cannot solve our widespread mental health issues or whatever without solving many other issues together. Like I am far from well equipped to chart out any system. Honestly speaking, I am far from well equipped to manage my own life, let alone chart a system for all humans. <laughs> so, but, but what I feel is like among all those people who think about these things today and who are concerned with these questions, and who are a sort of like, let's say, an anarchist or of a communist band, not just even left or social democrats, but people who are basically outside the system of the left wing and right wing of capital, who want to be outside that system. This may not be the assumed context of your podcast, but I can only speak to that, that context. I think like they should also give up on this uh, task of creating a blueprint for a future society. Like because I feel we are in such a bleak position that we have no visibility on the horizon we are completely surrounded by capital we are completely indunated by it so i think what we can do instead is formulate a sort of communism and 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 if any marxists are listening to this they will profit it probably many anarchists and all too but we should formulate a communism or an anarchism within our resistance the only thing that is visible right now on the horizon of possibility is resistance like what comes after it is like completely invisible to me and i think it is invisible to all of us and we should accept the truth that only thing we can do right now is fight and create possibilities open up avenues of possibilities so things can flow in from outside this blanket of capital outside this suffocating darkness what? and then uh sorry no and then yeah so and you told me about this podcast like a week ago and like just yesterday i came across this book the communism of happiness by michael terry did not know it before i am only at the first chapter of it and in that he touches upon this very thing how can we formulate any sort of resistance without some very concrete plan or blueprint about what 
we want to achieve so one of the points he brings up is that we have to give up on the idea of communism as a progress as a transformation from current situation and current conditions and their processes towards a different situation towards different processes we must envision communism as an explosion as an explosion yes as an explosion amidst these processes amidst this totality of capital that opens up possibilities if not for us then probably for the generations that come after us to try different things so we must give ourselves to this task of making this explosion happen and what is the relevance of an explosion versus a transformation is that in pursuing a transformation we tend to fix ourselves to an identity we have fixed ourselves to the identity of an activist of a revolutionary of a militant and this is not to like speak against the work of activism or work done by militants but against fixing ourselves to these identities he he brought up an example of of militants living uh, jack do i have you yes yes you got me yeah sorry my third world internet <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, you were telling me about the identity politics of being a revolutionary or yeah. a, please go on. Yeah, yeah. I, I would not term it as identity politics specifically, but but, but all the identities that come under identity politics are also a part of this. But uh, so are other identities like like you said like being a revolutionary or an activist. So the book I was reading the writer elucidated this with an example from Paul who apparently lot all those years ago that christian community exists as nothing that they see themselves as nothing and in doing so they have the potential to possess everything and so the problem with these identities is that they have in some part grown out of this totality of capital and hence they to various degrees have these weaknesses that allow capital to be a appropriate their work to appropriate their direction so again i am not saying this to not the militants or someone should not be a revolutionary but those people that want to see a different world we should not fix ourselves to those identities all right understood thank you for explaining <laughs> i do have a question i just would like to go back to what you were speaking of a few moments ago about the problems with trying to establish or imagine a perfect post capitalist structure and instead looking for these explosions as you termed them could you give any example of a black swan event sort of explosion and yeah. benefits it provided resistance to the capital system or just to human well-being yes sir so nothing i have said here so far is anything original and i wouldn't want to come across as that this is drawing upon a lot of different people historical work by a lot of different people so this idea of explosion is very much central to the of a walter benjamin you have perhaps heard of him he, he was a jewish marxist who was active in the interwar period he wrote on a lot of topics he, he wrote many things i barely read anything compared to his out but one of his seminal works is the thesis on the philosophy of history so mm-hmm. just like a, like 20 or so paragraphs about how we view history and in one of these he mentions anecdotes from the paris commune he says that shortly after the initial insurrection happened and the commune was established a lot of the towns people came together with guns and they assembled under the town clock tower and and shot it to pieces and shot the clock time piece to pieces mm. so like they were rebelling against time itself Rebelling so, against like, time itself i love it i love the imagery please go on these 
these people, like a lot of them were probably these people in that moment were discovering a property of time that is often attributed to some sort of very deep or high philosophical the label time, the time measured by the clock. It is essentially a capitalist invention. It is meant to make our life piecemeal, make our life easier to be commodified, to be sold and exchanged as commodities on the labor market with capitalists. So if you if you speak from a perspective, apparently Marx touched upon it a lot too, and it has been a major theme in a lot of Marxist work. Uh, I don't want to imply that I'm an expert on it. But like in that moment in at Palace Commune, these French, these average French workers and these destitutes and these young people were realizing the same thing without any sort of legalist philosophical background. This is like a sort of an explosion. This is what explosion looks like. This movement at this sort of profound understanding and criticism of something very fundamental about the world that in normal times you would not even think that would be acceptable to people, becomes widely acceptable and acted upon. Wow. I love the example and thank you so much. Now I have a much better understanding of what you meant by an explosion in terms of its relationship to the system and resistance yes. to the system. I suppose I'm curious, what sort of explosion could you imagine arising in the present day. Like we recently had the Suez Canal being blocked. Is that a sort of micro explosion? I would say definitely, it was a, a, of course very extremely minor, you can say, because the workers did not intend for it. Either it happened by accident and nothing much happened. But there was a small moment where those who were looking, those who had ears to hear, could see a very important totality of capitalism. It's logistics and how fragile they are. One canal blocked by one boat could bring 12% of international trade to a halt. Anyone who is listening and anyone paying attention brought in a lot of information, a, 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 a dramatic perspective that's otherwise hard to obtain. Like many people who are experts in logistics uh, would already know about it, but for a common person to come across this information, uh, all this understanding would be rare. Like, so yeah, I would characterize, I would say that you can, we can say this sort of like a minor explosion, but what else we would see, I am very hard pressed to even imagine because going back to the same example, before the Paris commune happened, before the election happened, perhaps no one could have thought that people would be shooting at clock towers. <laughs> so this would become apparent only in the middle of the event itself when it is happening, when the, when the associated resistance is taking place. All right. Well, I completely understand your hesitation against blue sky thinking. Yeah. Still, I do want to end on a high note. Can yeah. you imagine any ways at all to promote the currents of explosions in the historical sense we've dis been discussing, to promote those in, in our day-to-day lives and in the decades to come yeah so there, there, there is one idea that is apparent to me and like I said at the beginning I am not an organizer or a thinker or anything I am just those who are privy to the te terminology I am just a neat <laughs> neither in education nor employment or training those who are very <laughs> online would understand that <laughs> so there are like people out there who have dedicated their life to resistance and they may have a lot more creative and imaginative and varied answers but one thing that seems likely to me to help in this regard is I, I don't know what his nationality was he he was educated in the French Catholic Church there was this uh, Christian anarchist called uh, Ivan Illich in an 
interview he think it was a 19 yeah it was a 1973 interview I, and i had this years ago and this really stuck with me and when i came across this line of thinking about the distance it like it it came to the forefront again he said that if we can get together five friends and make a place where we can sit and talk honestly and earnestly to each other where we can talk in a manner where we are throwing off the limitations of thought and assumptions and imagination imposed by the system and we are speaking in in a radically truthful way to each other if we can make a community like that a place like that then we have done something revolutionary he said we have some, done something more revolutionary than a lot of people with very large organizations and structures have managed to do so and i think that relates very well to the idea of resistance being this sort of thing that creates the possibilities that allow us to further ourselves to a different world because the first thing that is stopping us truly is our deep and profound alienation from one another how we are extremely shut off from people around us from our families if you are not shut off our relations are very distorted alienation would be a very familiar concept to anyone with a passing interest in marxism and even if not we can still feel it in ourselves even the like the best family even if we are from the most healthiest families we can say that our personal relationships are not as healthy as they could have been we can say that our friendship our relation to even non human life is much more distorted than what it could be in its true potential so of course even in any sort of coming together we do under capitalism it cannot undo all of that it cannot heal all of that but when we try to do it when we try to break down those walls or as a friend of mine put it make windows in the walls so we can connect with each other creating the charles for the explosion we are creating something that can react to a situation that arises then we are creating the tinder for the spark that can set a fire this i could put it across more rigorously so to speak making connections is very vogue term but this is different ivan is stressed in his statement that when we can speak truthfully and in a way that sets the limitations put on our imagination that sets the assumptions put on our Im- imagination by this world of capital and by this world of class society this is the sort of connection we have to cultivate i am definitely not saying we have to read massive tomes written by marx and what not to do this but we think that there is a confrontation that is waiting for each of us inside ourselves and we do not need textbooks or anything or theory and anything to bring it about this confrontation is as guaranteed as life and death itself i hope i am not sounding like a wook or anything no. but i think this if you could give me it, just a short description of this confrontation yeah yeah so this this confrontation basically was in to what we are really deeply taught to take as fundamental and unchangeable and unassailable parts of the world i think there is something inside all of us that that revolts when we have to pay for our favorite food or when we have to sit and see on televisions places we would rather be or when we cannot meet friends or because we are busy working 6 hour weeks and this confrontation points to something deeper than just frustration or annoyance at the immediate situation it points towards this whole thing is not working and like we are so deeply taught whether we go to school or whether we don't we are taught by our families and teachers and whoever has authority over us at any point in our life we are taught to not even think in those terms no, not even imagine that anything can be done about this very fundamental aspects of the world at best we are allowed to be frustrated with it like oh i have to work the hours week if i do something this is this if i better myself maybe i can get a job that is only 40 hours a week but we are never in colors to think this thing is not working why can't we drop this and switch to something else but there's something still inside us 
still pushing us to think that way, to to cry out in that way. And th- there's several documentations of prehistoric life. I don't mean to go on too wild a tangent here, but this is still controversy. It is not settled. But a lot of anthropologists believe that in prehistoric life, many tribes would suddenly drop a way of living that they had been following for thousands of years and completely they change their location, change their social structure, change their gender structures, everything. If the old way stops working out, like if a liver changes its course and the uh, old uh, habitat becomes inhospitable and they have to go to a different place where the gender laws have to change, social structure have to change, they were able to do it very quickly rather than being stubborn and like, no, we will live the, like here, we will follow our traditions and die out. So oh, we, we need the, the change of environment due to simple changing climate just yeah, yeah, they were, in a change of culture, cultural edge. Yeah, profound cultural changes across the board, like whatever system of hierarchy they had or did not have, the laws, pedagogy, to everything. And many times, perhaps even in myth, it is very hard to reconstruct myths from those times with great detail. But that is also a possibility that many people in the field hold. And on a visceral level, that feels true to me. Like, I think that is how humans are meant to be. We are meant to adopt. We are meant to change. But in this world, that impulse inside us that comes from individuals that, okay, this is not working. Like, that, that impulse is so smothered under the prospect of impossibility and how grand and vast and powerful this system is. And like, not one liver. This system has destroyed so many livers. It is destroying so many more. It is going to destroy all the oceans. But still, we cannot turn to that quick adaptability. Like, okay, no, let's drop this. Sorry, I went on a long tangent here. But this was in the context of making connections. So this this should be the context in which we make these connections to listen to that confrontation and reach out to people who are feeling the same way. I keep saying anarchist and communist. I don't mean to say people who don't use these labels cannot be similarly radical. But these philosophies are the ones which I am familiar with. So I am take, only taking their name. I completely understand and I believe it will translate. That's also a philosophy that I have a certain familiarity with. We'll see how it comes across. So to me, it seems the prescription we might have derived from our conversation today is to connect with others about what's not working in today's Exactly, yeah, 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 In a revolutionary way that that attempts to imagine or to otherwise guess at any potential changes we could make. And these connections themselves lead the sort of explosions that produce entire new historic systems. That one can hope yes, that at least uh, will benefit all of us together. Definitely, definitely. Like the explosions as opening up possibilities across this bleak horizon. Perhaps we will be part of explosions. We will not get to bear the fruit of, but people who come after us will. So when that is worth something. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for your time today. I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. I hope, Priyan. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for letting me talk about all this. <laughs> yeah, it's been a delight. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Thank <laughs> you.